Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. Well, hey, welcome back. I'm Chris, the pastor at Compass. As always, I'm just delighted to have you with me today. Now, to start, I want to tell you about uh, a man named Albert Roberts. Now, in 2002, Albert Roberts, a local art collector, was at an auction when he purchased this oil painting for $600. The painting was found in this old barn in Kinderhook, New York, where it literally this thing had been stored for so long that parts of the canvas were covered in bird poop. Now, you would think Albert Roberts must have really liked this painting if he was going to spend that much money, $600 on it, knowing it was covered in dust and poop and all this gross stuff. And he did like it. But Albert Roberts was more than just your average art collector. He was also a treasure hunter. You see, Albert spent his time searching out old abandoned paintings that people didn't recognize for their value. And then he added them to what he called his orphanage for lost art that had suffered from neglect. And Albert hunted down valuable art that people didn't recognize as valuable. So when he sees this painting at auction, he suspected that it was more than people thought, and he was right. It turns out that this painting is a study sketch that was done in the early 1600s by the Flemish master painter, Anthony Van Dyck. Now, you may have heard of Van Dyck because he's the guy that the Van Dyck goatee was named after. Now, could you imagine having a style of facial hair that was so influential that people call you by your name 400 years later? Like someday people are going to call this the Chandro? Probably not. But but anyway, this found painting was Van Dyck's test run for a finished painting called St. Jerome. And this 400-year-old painting sketch that was bought at auction from an old barn for $600 is expected to sell for more than $3 million at auction this year. It was a valuable treasure that was just hidden in plain sight. Now, I have questions. Okay, how did the painting get into the barn in the first place? How long was it there? How did the owners not recognize its value? And finally, this is the big one. What did those people have hanging on the walls of their house instead? I mean, if they thought that this painting was just barn trash, what art did they think was worth hanging up? I mean, I just imagine walls covered in paintings of clowns and portraits of dogs that they owned over the years, while this $3 million masterwork is collecting bird poop in a shed. Whatever they hung up on their walls, a nearly priceless masterwork sat unappreciated in their barn. Now, as we've been working our way through the Gospel of Matthew, we find ourselves in a section where Jesus is using stories and parables to describe the kingdom of God which is really important for us to understand because the kingdom of God is a term that describes Jesus's overall vision for what God is doing in the world and what God is doing in the lives of people. Now, the kingdom is also something something that is uh, easy for us to misunderstand. Now, we've talked about how the kingdom of God, it isn't religion, it isn't political power, uh, and the kingdom isn't even some far-off life in the clouds of heaven someday. But to Jesus, the kingdom isn't even a place that we find or bring into being as much as the kingdom is anywhere that he rules as king. 
And we've talked about how the function of justice in the kingdom isn't to weed out the people who are bad, but instead for the love and grace of God to bring them to wholeness and restoration. Because the kingdom of God is for the good of everyone. And today, as we continue through Jesus' stories about the kingdom, about what makes it different from the rest of the world and how we can recognize it, Jesus tells us that it's a lot like that old Van Dyke painting of St. Jerome, rolled up and stuffed in the back of an old dirty barn and covered in bird poop. Let's look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Now, I want you to imagine that you are walking home one afternoon, and to cut time off your trip, you, you take a shortcut through one of your neighbor's fields. Now, as you're strolling through the tall, uncut grass, you trip over something that's sticking out of the ground. So you look down, and looking, you realize that it's the corner of a box, and it's kind of buried up in the dirt. And so you start to dig it up until you can pull it out of the ground. And once you get it out, you open this box, and you find that it's full of gold coins, enough wealth to be rich for 10 lifetimes. And it's obviously been buried there for years. Nobody knows about it. So you hide it back in the ground and you go to your neighbor and you ask him what price he wants for his field, knowing that whatever he asks, it's gonna be worth it because of the treasure that's buried there. I mean, the price that he gives you is fair for a field of that size, but it's still expensive because it's a good field. And so the only way you can afford it is to sell everything you own to scrape the funds together. You have to sell your car, your clothes, your laptop, your cell phone. I mean, you sell your great grandma's wedding ring. You sell other things that are precious to you because you know it's the only way that you're gonna be able to afford that field, but also to afford the life-changing wealth that's hidden there. Once you get it, it's literally cost you all of the trappings of your old life. But after selling everything that you have, you take possession of the field and the treasure within it, and that treasure changes everything. It gives you a life that you could have only imagined having before. And this is the narrative that Jesus uses to describe the kingdom of God. What's cool is that this hidden treasure story, it was actually very familiar to Jesus' audience. I mean, first of all, there were no banks back then. So if you had wealth or precious valuables, I mean, you would hide them to protect them from thieves. In fact, it was common for houses in the first century to have these hidden rooms or closets in the center of their homes that were hard for thieves to get at so that people could protect their valuables. But the hidden treasure thing, it actually goes a step further. Check this out. The Roman Empire dominated almost all of the ancient world, and the land of Israel was one of those places. It had been conquered by Rome in around 63 BC, and Rome took over by force. The people of Israel, they tried to fight back militarily, but they lost against this overwhelming might and power of Rome. And when Rome came in, they came as conquerors, which means this, they took what they wanted from the Jewish people. They demanded outrageous taxes and payments in addition to just taking whatever treasures they wanted from their new subjects. And so as a result, in that, that 60, 60 BC time, it was very common 
for the for defeated Jewish people to hide any valuables they had by burying them in order to keep Rome from taking it. Because Rome can't confiscate what Rome can't find. And so people would bury their treasure in fields. Now, 90 years had passed between the Roman invasion and when Jesus is telling this story. And in that time, the violence has mostly subsided and and a normal system of government taxation is in place. So, I mean, when Jesus is around, most people have already dug up their hidden treasures because, you know, the invasion is over. But not everyone survived the invasion. And there were people who buried their treasure and died before it was safe to retrieve it or before they even passed on the location of their treasure to other people. So all of this to say, hidden buried treasure was a real thing that people actually found back then. And as a result of that, hidden treasure stories like what Jesus is saying are popular folk tales. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He tells another story to illustrate the kingdom of God. Look at this in Matthew 13, 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. So again, Jesus tells a story of something incredibly valuable that appears to be hidden in plain sight, but that is still worth selling everything in order to obtain. And within these hidden treasure illustrations that Jesus uses, I think there are some important things that we can learn about God, uh, about his kingdom, and about how God and his kingdom both interact in our lives. But before we get there, I need to point out that most of what we're talking about today is descriptive, not prescriptive. So in a lot of churches today, you know, the messages that are being shared are prescriptive. They prescribe something for you to do. There's a practical, actionable takeaway. You know, call someone and forgive them or read your Bible and pray tomorrow morning. But a lot of what we're talking about with the kingdom of God is descriptive. It describes and explains God and his his world rather than just telling you how to live. It doesn't mean that what we're talking about isn't valuable, but it just means that understanding God and his kingdom is the key today, which is, is good because it's crucial to living the life he created us for. So I just want you to be aware that as we talk about the observations we're gonna share, they're descriptive more than prescriptive. And the first observation is this, it's that the kingdom of God isn't always obvious. I think it's interesting that in both of these parables, there's a hidden element to what is found. The treasure is buried underground and the priceless pearl is really only discovered by an expert who knows what to look for. There's an implication that that people have regularly passed by these things without recognizing their worth. And this is only compounded by the fact that in the parables right before these that we talked about last week, that Jesus described the kingdom as a tiny mustard seed growing underground and as yeast that's invisibly expanding and multiplying in dough. In each of these analogies, the kingdom of God is small, imperceptible, or invisible. The kingdom isn't always obvious. Which raises a question. Why? Why isn't God's kingdom at work in this world obvious for everyone to clearly see? Why can't everybody find it? And the answer is, I don't know. 
I don't know why God didn't put up a flashing neon sign that says, this way to me. But while I may not understand exactly why the kingdom of God isn't obvious, what we can do is learn about God's character from the fact that it isn't. I can see that God is gentle and humble, not vain and demanding, that he values our experience of human discovery more than he values his experience of human worship. And I can see this, that according to Jesus, the kingdom of God as it truly is, is worth more than we could ever imagine. That it's more valuable, more precious, and more important than we could ever realize. Our first takeaway is that the kingdom of God isn't always obvious. Which brings us to our second. The kingdom of God is found by those who are looking for it. Because the kingdom of God isn't obvious, the only people who are looking for it are the ones who are going to actually find it. The people who didn't bid on the Van Dyke barn painting, I mean, they only saw a you know, poop-covered oil sketch. But the guy who bought it, he was looking for a masterpiece. You see, people rarely find treasure if they aren't looking for it. And the same is true of the kingdom of God. I mean, look at the way that Jesus comes right out and says this over and over again in the gospel. Start in Matthew 6, 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. When you seek the kingdom is when you receive the benefit of being part of it. Look what uh, Matthew says, or Jesus says in Matthew 7, verse 7. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Our ability to discover the kingdom of God is directly tied to how we are looking for it how we're searching for it. Jesus says this in John 6, 27, spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. Jesus referred to himself as the Son of Man, and he says, of all the things we could pursue, spending our energy seeking him is the best investment that we could make with our lives. And then Hebrews eleven six it says this, that it is impossible to please God without faith, and anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Now, this is big, big because there's two things. We must believe he exists and he rewards those who seek him. That God is there and that it can be found. The kingdom of God is found by those who are looking for it. And, and before you think that that means God can only be found by searching for him in the Bible or by following the rules and doctrines of Christianity, the New Testament tells a different story. And look at, look at Acts chapter 17. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as followers. Men of Athens, I noticed that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines, and one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. His purpose was for the nations, get this, to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far 
from any of us. You see, here the Apostle Paul, he's addressing a crowd of Athenian Greeks who probably don't know anything about the Jewish scriptures or about Jewish doctrine, the, the scripture and doctrine that Christianity was rooted in. And yet, Paul appeals to the reality that there were those among them who deep down were searching for God. And even though they weren't searching for the Jewish or or Christian scriptures to find him, their sincere desire to know the true God was the key to finding him. Because God's purpose is for the nations to seek after him, to feel their way toward him and to find him. Because he's not far from any of us. He isn't far from any of us who are looking for him. And whether we have expertise in the spiritual things that we're looking for, like the pearl merchant did, or whether we just stumble across God like someone tripping on something in a field, curious enough to go back and look at what it was, the kingdom is found by those who are looking. And then finally, since we are talking about the the value of seeking out things that seem invisible and finding valuable things that are hidden, I want you to, to know one more thing about God and his kingdom. And it's found in what Jesus said in Luke 19, 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Jesus said this about himself when he described his mission and purpose in this world. His purpose is to seek and save those who are lost. Which brings me to our final takeaway today. The first was that the kingdom of God isn't always obvious. And the second is that the kingdom is found by those who are looking for it. But the final thing today is this. The kingdom of God is also looking for you. You see, at the heart of knowing and finding God for yourself is is the desire to be a treasure hunter. It's knowing that there's something of immeasurable value out there and being on the lookout for it, even in the most unlikely of places. You don't even have to know exactly what the treasure is in order to be hunting for it. You just have to know that it's worth the price to find it and whatever you have to pay to possess it. And I want you to know that Jesus is a treasure hunter too. That when he describes discovering something of incalculable value, he's talking about you. That when he describes a treasure that he's willing to sell everything that he owns to get, he's talking about you. That when he sees the most perfect and precious pearl in all the world, one that he will do anything to have, he's talking about you. And maybe that's why the kingdom of God is like a hidden treasure. Not obvious to the world in spite of its value so that we can understand what it's like to be him, constantly seeking out the priceless treasure of those he loves so dearly. So that even in in the seeking out the sometimes obscure kingdom of God, we're already living like he lived, thinking like he thought and doing what he taught, understanding that when it comes to the kingdom of God, we are both treasure and treasure hunters. 
So may we seek God with all our hearts, knowing that his kingdom is found by those who are looking for it, even as we are found by the loving God who seeks us at the exact same time. I'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.